Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Today, I am joined by Justin Finkelstein, COO of Platform Innovation with Citibank. Also, I learned a little bit more about Justin as I was snooping about you and learned that you are not a stranger to podcasts, but you're usually sitting on my side of things with over 5,000 pods. That is so awesome. We're so fortunate to have you here to hear about the learning and development side of things, as well as just your expertise from being in the field for the years that you have. Welcome, Justin. Glad to have you here with us. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Cindy. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I just thought, because learning and development is one of my favorite topics, so I thought before we dove in to talk a little bit more about your experiences and and learning and learning in an organization, I thought I would start with asking a little bit about you, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So my first question for you, Justin, is how do you prefer to learn? Are you an on the job? Are you a watching videos, classroom, podcasts, webcasts, or maybe a little bit of everything? What does that look like for you? So number one for me is, I'll answer a couple of different ways. Number one is, is practice. Uh, I like to practice things. I like to demonstrate. I like to almost be the author of the things that I work with. From a more practical perspective, uh, books, uh, you know, I believe that books are the closest things to truth. They represent, you know, 5,000, 10,000 hours worth of work. So if I need to learn something correctly, it's, it's through books. And then I have podcasts in my ear quite a bit. Uh, and then um, also most of the learning, when I talked about those 5,000 podcasts, are brainstorms on ideas, me working out, what do I know about this? What do I want to learn about this? What do I care about? So I would say those are probably the main paradigms. And the ones that I don't do are sitting in a classroom or uh, online learning uh, in traditional ways. Yeah, I did see with your podcast, you do a lot of brainstorming. I I love that. And it sounds like you also interview folks that inspire you. So I'm sure you get a lot of ideas and development from all of that as well. So thanks for sharing uh, your top ways of learning. So my next question for you, learning a little bit more about Justin, is can you share an example with us of something you've learned and how it perhaps impacted your career? Mm. So... Non-traditional, um, martial arts is number one for me. So I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu about three years ago. And what I loved about that was, you know, me as a new beginner can be on the same mat with my son who was, you know, he's nine now or he's eight now. And I'm also world champions in the same place. Uh, after pandemic, uh, we started uh, practicing Muay Thai, which is in the same thing. So me as being training for about five months, uh, can be with world champions and working together and we work in a cohesive way. So that, um, number one, what I love about the martial arts is it's the truth. It's one person versus one person. And one person is better on that day than the other person where there's no politics, there's no who speaks better, there's no who shares better. Um, and then just the level of confidence that comes with doing that level of hard work makes work a lot more easy. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I love those examples. It's definitely out of my wheelhouse. So I appreciate you telling us a little bit more about that and how that really does make a difference with learning, especially the idea that you can have newbies and seasoned folks both on the mat. And I think we see a lot of that in our organizations, right? We see folks that are just getting up to speed, working with mentors and coaches and just their peers who perhaps are are well beyond. So what a great example to tie into what that might look like in an organization. So speaking of organization, we're gonna turn the tide just a little bit here. I had mentioned that you are uh, with Citibank and I know you're COO of Platform Innovation. Could you tell us a little bit about your organization and your role within that organization? Yeah, sure. So my current role is, as I said, COO of Platform Innovation, um, new organization that's really designed for a couple of different reasons. Number one, to bring the best of what's happening on the outside to the inside. Also, to take things that are operating slowly. You know, a bank being highly regulated operates a lot like a government institution and things move slowly. So where is that, those spaces were able to move more quickly. And then also my personal slant on it is, uh, and I believe sort of what I was brought into it, is the community building aspect. Most threads of things that I care about and think about are inside of building community and getting the right people, mostly the people who are passionate about topic in uh, connecting and working with each other. So then tell me, um, first of all, well, let me go back here for a minute. I should digress because one of the very first quote that you said here is that your role looks a little like what's the best of what's happening on the outside and bringing that to the inside. What an astute way for your organization, as you said, a banking organization that tends to move somewhat slow, um, but to really stay focused on what's happening and what's worthy and, and valuable for our organization. So with that, can you talk a little bit about the change to the learning opportunities within your organization or even just learning opportunities in general over the last five years? Hmm. Over the last, so I'm trying to think back to five years ago uh, of where we were. At some time in the past, like the best tools were inside of organizations and the best information was inside of organizations. Most of what I guess, you know, through social media, social networks, um, I guess, and through our mobile phones, most of the best information exists outside of the company. So I think we moved, again, I can't really think about five years ago as much, but moving from traditional, as I alluded to at the beginning, either instructor-led training, which I've never been a fan of, but you, I used to have to sit through you know, a couple of weeks each year of instructor-led training, which I equate to almost like school. Like sometimes you get an expert in a field or somebody who's really passionate about it that does it well, but most of the time it's not. And I can't sit down and learn. So I think what we've evolved to is more online, which is great, right? Now people can learn at their own times. Where I think we are now is in micro learning, right? Like, you, you know, can you taste something in a period of five seconds or 15 seconds or 30 seconds um, and then decide if you want to go more deeply into it. Um, I'm obsessed with the book Art of Impossible, which came out in January of this year, which, uh, you know, one of the components is basically success only comes when you're passionate about something, because when you're passionate about it, you get to invest the energy to make it happen. So I don't know 
organizationally if we're there or if I, you know, I would speak to the, the experts in learning and development, but it's like, how do we test those items to see where people are passionate or could be passionate? Like, how do we put those test balloons out there to identify the people that raise their hands to actually care about something? I love that comment about uh, success when you are passionate about it. Does that really lend itself to what your future vision is in the space of learning and development or just in learning in general? I, I think it is a little bit future paced, right? It's, it's, I don't know. Um, I think it is future. I think we've you know, organizations, especially large organizations, they move a little bit slowly, right? And people have a job, right? My title is COO, Chief Operating Officer of Platt, you know, and that, and I got to that role because, you know, I ticked a couple of boxes early on. But, you know, and so people get to the, they're a data scientist, they're a learning and development person, but it doesn't actually represent the reality of what they do. So I think it is a little bit more future pace, but I think the future is going to come a little bit more quickly than we talked about. So I don't know if that's a a weasel answer to your question or a direct answer to your question, but I, th I think it's probably a little bit more future as opposed to current reality. Yeah. I mean, do you have other thoughts of what that vision for learning in the future is going to look like? Yeah. So I'm a believer in where we learn is when we teach. So it is through creation. So I think a lot of learning in the future is going to be real experiences getting recorded. Uh, we just started adopting Microsoft Teams and I, I can record two minute videos right now of my thoughts on a particular topic. So we're going to talk about 20 different things here today, right? Some of these might not make sense. Some of these I might be talking about for the first time. Some of these I might be an expert on. But now what's available is people can pick out those individual components and be able to dig deeper into them. And then they can reach out to me on LinkedIn on the back end or those things. I might talk about something that I have no business talking about today and I don't have knowledge. Like we've got the technology now. Uh, I worked with a company when I was a consultant called Speak AI, which can analyze the audio of this conversation. And it can tell me pretty much, here's where he's telling the truth. Here's where he's not so confident about what he's talking about. Here's where he really knows something. Here's where it's not clear. So we're able to dissect pieces of media like this and then turn these into trainings. So I think like real-time work is going to turn into trainings in the future, as opposed to these structured, here's the planned way that we do it, and here's section A, here's section B, here's section C. Um, that's how I see things going. Because And I look at everything like a training. Yeah, it makes sense with what you were saying earlier, you know, the real life learning, you know, and you had mentioned that in, in one of the ways that is your preferred style of learning. And I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of us in organizations our peers. That is how we learn. It's that age old adage of tell me, show me, let me do. And it's really in that let me do it, right? Let me be kinesthetic, if that's the right word. <laughs> let me touch it. Let me do it. So that certainly makes sense. And being able to use technology, like our wonderful folks at HCI, like Ben, who are able to even slice and dice and make this perfect little 15 second, 20 second, one minute, whatever you're mentioning, Justin, to make it a learning opportunity. I love that. So kind of making a little bit of a switch here, you know, we're talking about what learning looks like. We're talking about, you know, where it was, where it's gone, and perhaps some vision for the future. 
Can you talk a little bit, and, and whether it's post-current or futuristically, what is the learning culture at your organization look like? Interesting question. Um, so first of all, city is over 200,000 people, depending on who you ask, right? My particular organization is thousands of people. So I'll speak about the circle that I interact with the most, right? So the circle, I, I think it's experimental. Um, I think it's rapid, like testing out a lot of different things and seeing what sticks. I think it is seeking out experts, like seeking out people and, and unidentified experts, like experts that are accessible. I think it is creative. I think it's agile. Um, what are some, I just want to use a whole bunch of different buzzwords, but I'm just looking at like the circle, like, Hey, we want to try stuff. We accept, like, we're going to have a low hit rate on the things that we, we try, but you know, I, I, I don't love the term fail fast, but I don't have a better one here of like, we're going to try a whole bunch of different things and we're going to throw a whole bunch against the wall and the audience or the users or are, are going to be the ones that are going to tell us what's value. So I guess in a short, like that's a long way of saying we're agile. Yeah. Can, can I, there's just something you said before about kinesthetic, um, which has been top of mind because it's, you know, I'm a, I've been like an apologetic kinesthetic for my whole, you know, but like how life occurs to me and how work occurs to me is like that feels right or that doesn't feel right. And I know enough that my gut feelings aren't always correct, um, but that is what predominantly drives how I work. And I think, um, and then I've got to use words. Um, I got to use other ways to communicate what the feelings are. But I think kinesthetics, you know, are, I don't know, kinesthetics, if that's like a type of person, we're we're starting to get our day, right? Where you can actually measure feelings like with wearables and those sort of things. And most training is not designed for kinesthetics. It's designed for, what is it? The visuals. And I'm, I'm just, I'm making up titles. I'm calling people, <laughs> groups of people. Like, I feel like I'm designed, but you know, I just wanted to like hang on to that because I think that was a really important point you made. Yeah, I love that. I know, same. I grew up as a very hands-on learner, and that is not how we were taught, right? When we were even in grade school, high school, I'm sure there's some schools that, schools of thought, you know, out there in those educational environments that might be a little bit better at it. But yeah, I, I get that. I'm the same. I Let me do it. You know, let me do yes. it. Let me have the feelings and the gut, and it really sinks in for me. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming back to that. We are fellow kinesthetics. I like it. Ah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So, you know, you were talking about it and I love that you said, oh, I'm just going to throw out all these buzzwords. So going back, you had said, you know, my culture, we are experimental, we're agile, we're testing things, we're what sticks, what doesn't sticks, we're experts or seeking out those experts that are accessible. My brain thinks like rapid cycle learning, right? We're constantly testing it out. Does it work? Does it not work? Do we make need to make change? Um, that great example of, of your mention about we stay agile and, you know, is this working? Is this not working? So I, I love that perspective from learning. So here's what I want to come back to. So, you know, you've taught, I love, you've talked a little history, learning, current learning, maybe where we're going. Would you say, and I know we, we don't need to stick with like five years, 10 years or what have you, 
But what do you think within maybe your organization or even what's surrounding you, how do you think you or maybe your workforce have benefited from increased learning opportunities as you're talking about the way your learning culture operates there at Citibank? Has there been learning opportunities like professionally, personally, so on and so forth? Yeah, the biggest one, well, one, there's just an abundance of opportunities. Like we've never had more opportunities just across the board than we do now, which is a problem. It's just a flood of opportunity, right? You have, like if somebody wants to take Python training, there's 20 different places that they could go inside of the company and outside of the company. That's number one. Um, number two, which I think is the most important thing, which isn't spoken about right now, a lot of conversations lead to what makes us happy right now. And they're dealing with the emotional level and then not the more like tactical level. Like they're like, we deal with work from a human level right now where we didn't in the past. So what that means, and like, and I've been like, we're recording this on Zencaster. I like Zencaster, right? It's lightweight. It doesn't get in the way. I can be present. It's not like it didn't take forever for us to get here. Um, I don't know if I'm even answering your question at this point in time, but I think that's the difference where we start like looking at learning opportunities as human opportunities. And I think where, where like, when I, I used to lead something called, or I still do, um, but they were jam sessions. And the whole purpose of that was to have one thing that gets said to people that like a light bulb goes off and they never look at their work or their life the same way again, right? Where it's just something breaks their brain in a good way and their trajectory is forever changed. And I don't purposely talk as fast as I do for this purpose, but I talk because I want to get a bunch, like I know 50%, like when I started using those buzzwords, I knew myself well enough to know that like, I'm not like, you don't know enough about what you're talking about right now. And so you're going to, you're going to rely on those buzzwords. Um, but there's something that I'm going to say here that is going to, you know, is, is going to get to somebody's subconscious mind. It's going to forever change the way that they do work. And that's why I do these podcasts. And it's like that one person and that opportunity. So I still don't know if I'm answering the questions. I don't remember it, but the last thing I'll put is it's micro opportunities because we're competing with so many different other things. And I'll stop on that one. I, mean, I can't. No, that's, I, I love that. I mean, I, I think what we can deduce from that is you had talked about where we are, where we are current with learning and perhaps where we're going is, as you mentioned, micro opportunities and they're happening real time, right? It's not necessarily sitting in a classroom. Now, some people still, you know, thank goodness, because here at HCI, we do classroom, <laughs> you know, there are people who do love that. And and the, the fortunate thing is with all of the different types of learners, so be it are the trainers, right? So if you've got a trainer who's kinesthetic, like myself, and like many others of us, you know, we do try to make it as hands-on as possible and, and relatable and storytelling and, and use as much feeling and, and emotion in that. Um, but what you're saying, sorry, I now I'm digressing, but what you're saying is it's those micro opportunities that are happening real life, real time, that all of our workforce is having an opportunity for. It's not as prescribed as it used to be, right? Those learning yes. opportunities. Yes. And, and since I bashed the live stuff so long, I will say what the opportunity is live is one, uh, you're in a captured space and your focus and creates more opportunities for those synchronicities, those water cooler, 
chat, right? Like you have enough of a common language of what you're learning at the same place that you get to find that person that if they're in that training, they probably have some common interests. Uh, my complaint is not what happens in the training as much. Well, sitting is a problem for me, but it's all the overhead that goes around it. So, but I do think they're extremely valuable as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, you know, you think about in the technology age, getting badges, right? Like we do this and we get a badge, we do this and we get this, so on and so forth. And I do think, yeah, to your point, some of those classroom and virtual instruction that feels so long for somebody who's not a sitter, but you're earning a badge, right? There's a something at the end of this that is also motivating, even though it's not in a little dosing perspective, you know, it's a eight hours of sitting, but... Yes. <laughs> so... We talked a little bit about, you know, some of those changes and this micro learning that's happening. It's happening in real time. Um, what do you think, what are some learning tools that maybe you're aware of that you all maybe use at City or just, you know, in general day to day? What are some of those learning tools that allow us to also increase those learning opportunities? Uh, interesting. So where I go for most of my learning, um, and th these aren't going to be traditional, I use a tool called Yak, which is, this is outside of the company. Um, well, let me talk about the outside of the companies where the best tools you know, are at this point in time. So Yak, which is yelling across cubicles, which is asynchronous audio, which allows uh, the quickest way to be able to get to a network of experts in one space. Um, number two, I use a tool, uh, Otter. Uh, again, this is outside of the company. So cut me off at any point in time if I don't talk about the internal stuff. Because um, Otter does transcription on the back end. So what transcription provides is like, we do 30 minutes of audio here. It can get synchronized into something that can be consumed in five minutes. Um, the other big learning tool right now is my Apple Watch. Because it's telling me how much did I sleep last night, which is really important, right? It's like, if we don't get enough sleep, we're not working. It's also telling me, am I doing enough exercise? So that's in the spirit of wearables um, and that are actually giving us metrics of what's happening in reality. Yeah, thanks for sharing those. I haven't heard a couple of these, so this is great for myself even personally, and I'm sure for many of the listeners that want to stay current, but you know, again, when do we find time unless it's our peer telling us, right? Oh, this new tool, you got to check it out. Um, so yeah, we've got some time here left. So I would like to dig into, if you're okay with this, Justin, thinking about learning and thinking about learning from maybe the employer manager leader perspective, if that's okay, if I can ask a couple questions about that. Sure. Okay. So What's your sense? And I'm sure I know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyways, because I'm going to love to hear how you respond. Why is it so important or how important is it that our employers provide these learning opportunities? Mm. It's important. Um, what's most important is that leaders are the number one students, you know, and whatever that looks like, whatever version it, you know, it looks like, and, you know, we look at people who are the practitioners or the masters. So that's number one for me. Um, so to reverse engineer that the company has to provide the leaders 
with the tools to be empowered to do the work that they're actually doing or give them the freedom to find those tools on the outside or create a culture where people can admit that like, this just isn't my sweet spot or this isn't what I care about. So I think that's the short answer. So what companies can provide is the culture. What leaders can provide is being the practitioners. And so I go back to martial arts, right? It's just like, you can't lie in martial arts. Um, you know, I respect those leaders who are still learning every, you know, every single day and are willing to be the dumbest person in the room or the weakest person in the room or the least educated person in the room on a particular topic. And they're willing to be vulnerable in front of people who in this corporate hierarchy would be, you know, in a lower rung than they are. Sure. And I love that you had mentioned, you know, the culture you know, the culture supports it at the company level, and then our leaders, our managers, etc., um, providing those tools and finding those tools, and then what works for you. Again, that makes me, and the, the word that popped into my mind while you were saying that is really giving space to the workforce to be self-directed learners. And I know not everyone is, like I, again, we're all different types, right? And so I do know there are folks out there that say, just tell me when I need to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to, I still like to learn, but I need it planned for me. <laughs> just plan it for me yes. all the way to the other side. What we've been talking about all along is finding those opportunities. But it sounds like, you know, how you're kind of depicting this is really that self-directed learner. What is it going back to what you had even said earlier? What am I passionate about? That's going to drive me. That's going to motivate me to look for that learning. And if I'm in an organization that either provides those tools for me to do that or allows me the space to find those tools to do that, I'm probably going to be a happier employee. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and much easier said than, I mean, it, it all comes down to passion, right? Because if you're passionate sure. about the topic, you're going to seek it out. Um, now there are opportunities where there's blind spots, like, wow, you could really be great at this. Just take a look at this and see if you're passionate about it. But yeah. Yeah. And that probably comes a little bit from wh whether it's our peers, you know, peer to peer, or it comes going back to your, uh, us talking about our leaders and the leaders being the number one learners. And really, you know, it kind of flows down from there, but it does take that peer, that mentor, that coach, that leader to help us to identify those blind spots sometimes. So that still is part of the the bigger puzzle of learning <laughs> that we're putting yes, together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think kind of that conversation around how, you know, employer managers, leaders, you know, how they can really encourage us to be open to those opportunities. So let me ask, I'm going to switch gears just a tiny little bit here and ask, we've taught, you talked a little bit about some of the tools available to us. But I want to end here with just a question on how do you think um, maybe more of the, maybe it's theory, maybe it's value. I don't know, you know, where, where you're going to go with this, but what do you think? How do you believe that learning technology has helped us to identify and develop those skills? Hmm. Learning technology, how it's identified. So I use technology as 
access to the people behind the technology, right? I want to meet the people behind the technology and to see what they've actually built. So the technology that meets us where we are in the moment and then helps us, you know, empowers us to go to the next place, that's where the success comes. What a powerful way for us to end. And again, you know, I've been in the field of learning and development for some time. And I think we've definitely, you know, first of all, the fact that learning and development even became a field <laughs> was was critical. And then for us to be in a place for you to be able to say that we've got technology that is meeting us where we are, it's makes, I wish I had that emoji, emoji of my head exploding because I think that <laughs> could not be more true. But this brings us to our time, Justin. So before I wrap up, is there anything final words, anything you want to share for our audience before we close out? Yeah. Um, uh, I think, yeah, just thanks for having me right now and just to underscore, right. You know, it's, uh, I have the advantage of having a little bit of a gray beard in years. And it's just like, if you know what your passion is, go for it. If you haven't found it yet, keep searching for it. Uh, because that is it, right? I think, you know, we, we have so much stuff coming at us right now that there is real no other option besides passion, you know, especially from kind of the long-term macro. So thanks so much for having me, Cindy. Oh, we loved having you, Justin. You, I scribble notes every time um, I'm on a podcast and I've got some underscores on my side as well. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with us and, and the audience. Um, and with that, thanks, 9 to Thrive listeners. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.